Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, February 11th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film News Writer Ryan Scott. Happy Friday, everyone. We made it. Yeah, we're we're almost to the weekend. Let's not jinx it, though, Ryan. Yeah, let's also not be like radio DJs that are like that. They're literally only the the only thing they ever talk about is their like proximity to the weekend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, is there any big movies coming out this weekend, Ryan? There are three, and I don't know if any of them are quote unquote big. But we've got "Marry Me," which is the Jennifer Lopez Owen Wilson rom com, which the reactions to so far have been fast because that's on peacock too so like it's it's a day and date thing um oh i can watch that at home tonight uh by myself you i (laughs) I guess you could man um uh our 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 beloved ht's reaction to it was wonderful um and then uh and then you have blacklight the latest liam neeson action thriller um what is the mm. one I'm forgetting? I know there's there's a third. Oh, Death on the Nile, the but the uh, new Kenneth oh, Branagh, yeah. Agatha Christie, um, <laughs> which I'm I'm actually I really liked Murder on the Orient Express, and setting aside the Army Hammer of it all, I'm looking forward to this one. Um, you know, so yeah, uh, that so you've got three three movies entering the fray, along with like Jackass and Moonfall and Weekend Two. It's going to be interesting to see how this all turns out. I never saw Murder on the Orient Express. But I will say, going to the movies during the pandemic and having to sit through this trailer, <laughs> Death on the Nile, like every single time, makes me not want to see it. So, uh, you know, I kind of felt that way with the Kingsman, but then I ended yeah. up really liking the Kingsman. <laughs> so, like, you know, we'll see. Okay, let's jump into the news. Uh, let's talk about box office, but not this weekend's box office. Let's talk about the box office of of March. Uh, we're going into the future here because in March, one of the most anticipated movies of the year will be hitting theaters, and we now have some box office tracking for it. Tell us about the Batman, Ryan. The Batman. All right. Uh, yeah, so so tickets went on sale. There's these advanced IMAX screenings that sold out. 
general pre-sale tickets are on sale for the Batman now. So we have some official box office tracking that has hit the boards. Um, the number currently is 80 million. Now, let's be clear. Box office tracking is not a science. This is early. The number could change. And especially in the pandemic era, tracking is, can often be wildly inaccurate for these big movies. <laughs> you know, but even never forget, going back to 2016, Suicide Squad absolutely obliterating whatever the tracking was at that time. Deadpool did the same thing. It did the same thing. So, like, you know, and even more recently, Spider-Man no, no Way Home definitely did. So, and also, for what it's worth, the folks at Box Office Pro, who also do, like, long-range tracking stuff, they have it between 135 and 185 opening weekend. So, th there's kind of a range out there right now. Um, See, you know... What, what, 150-ish sounds good to me. 80 sounds low. It, look, here's the thing. 80 is low for what a Batman movie might, you know, because like for reference, the Lego Batman movie opened to 80 million exactly, you know, like, but it, and it, the Lego Batman movie is a very good movie. I have not like that's there is we, let's not discount that as, as a as a superhero film. But oh, yeah, but but I think that being the first solo Batman movie in 10 years you know, that's yeah, you'd be looking at. But you also have to keep in mind the three hour runtime. Um, you know, I think there might be a little bit of exhaustion with the idea of like another new Batman on some people's part. Uh, but but I do think that that 80 million dollar number is low. And I firmly believe uh, what did, I said in our Slack yesterday that if it opens below 95 million, I will eat a dirty sock on camera. Um, I, I just don't think we're going to see it make less than that but so what are like the the last few batman movies that we've seen what have they have done at the box office are you counting uh, like batman v superman and justice no League? I'm, I'm counting like the the nolan trilogy but you I see think. that yeah then you're going back a decade though and my whole thing is i don't even know how relevant those numbers are anymore because the dark knight rises was the end of that trilogy coming off of one of the most beloved blockbusters of all time. But yeah, sure. I mean, if you want to go over those numbers, we can, um, you know, just for the sake of like, you know, this is, this is what Batman has done in the past. So yeah, uh, yeah the, um, uh, let's go back. Dark Knight Rises uh, open to 160 and the Dark Knight open to 158. Um, you know, then you got to go back to, Batman Begins, which only did 48, but that was coming off of, you know, Batman and Robin. So people didn't have a, didn't know what it was yet. And uh, yeah, but then, like I said, you you know, you had well, people, you, don't you know, know what Batman v Superman, you know Dawn I mean? of like, Justice did 166. Uh, Reeves, What's interesting, we know when you, Matt Reeves, you and I know Matt Reeves. Well, I was just going to say Batman v Superman did 166. So it sort of feels like the, the top end Batman number is around 160 right now. In the low end is probably 50. So this $80 million tracking doesn't seem uh, actually, I think that's pretty like a pretty safe bet that it's going to do at least 80, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's actually amazing to me looking back. I know it's 2005, but to see that Chris Nolan's Batman begins only open to $48 million. That, that is kind of crazy. Because I, I, I would think that a $48 million Batman movie these days would be considered a failure. 
Well, but I also think then expectations were tempered. This was before the MCU started, and also, again, you know, just eight years earlier, you had Batman and Robin, so the wild difference there. And Nolan, that was part of what built his name up. You know, but then that, but then you have to look at that's one of the best box office doubles up of all time, going from Batman Begins making a little less than four hundred million worldwide to The Dark Knight making a billion. You know, because you have that huge like, because I did not see Batman Begins, I didn't care about Batman, I did not care how much people said it was good. Then the second that trailer for The Dark Knight hit, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> you know, so like, so you know, it just depends. I think. Like I said, I agree with you. I think that $80 million number is low. I'll be fascinated to see where it comes out. The other thing before we dwell on this too much is what was interesting to me in researching this was that when a movie opens at around $80 million, where it finishes at the global box office is all over the place. So, you know, like it could be under $400 million, It could be like $750 million, you know, so it's crazy. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. And I, I think as we get closer to that weekend, we'll have a better indication of, of what it's going to do. Uh, but let's move on from box office to the Oscars. Um, Seth Rogen, who is currently in uh, Pam and Tommy on Hulu, which is a fascinating show. I, I would say, if you have not seen this show, it's definitely R-rated. It's about the uh, Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee sex tape that got out during the 90s. The story behind this, if if it wasn't a true story, I would throw this out the window because it seems so ridiculous and so unbelievable. And uh, Tommy Lee seems like such an idiot. And um, I don't know. Uh, anyways, uh, getting off that. So Seth Rogen's doing press for that, I, I assume. And he told The Insider... He was talking about the Oscars. He said, I don't get why mov- why movie people care so much if other people care what awards we give ourselves. To me, maybe people just don't care. I don't care who wins the autom- automobile awards. No other industry expects everyone to care about what awards they shower upon themselves. Maybe people just don't care. Maybe they did for a while and they stopped caring. And why should they? Now, first of all, I want to say Seth Rogen, uh, this year is going to be in Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans, which is probably going to be up for Oscars. So, uh, brilliant move, Seth, antagonizing the Academy. <laughs> but maybe, maybe, you know, in Hollywood, sometimes, uh, you know, the, the move is that you, you want something. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's uh, maybe that is the right move. But, anyways, um, I. I think Seth has a good point here. Like, why should people outside the movie industry care about these movie awards? Mm, I think in the modern context, that's an interesting question. Because I think what happens is right now is you're getting a lot of movies that nobody's really seen that are nominated for awards. So why do people care? Yeah. You know, even I was looking, uh, my Tales from the Box Office this weekend is going to be about Taken, which technically came out in 2008. And I was looking over, like, the highest grossing stuff that year, and, like, Slumdog Millionaire made, like, $350 million. Curious Case of Benjamin Button made, like, well over $300 million. You had, like, you know, movies that people really cared about that were nominated for Oscars. Same, The Dark Knight. Uh, Heath Ledger won for Best Supporting Actor. Like, so I think now you're sort of into a problem where, like, I don't know that, like, 
you can get people to care about awards for movies people haven't seen or care about. You know, I, I, I mean, it used to be that, you know, you, you could get people in the door for some of those bigger movies and then it would give a boost to the movies that hadn't yet received a huge audience. You know, I just, it, the way it is, as it exists, I, I'm a little concerned. And I think Seth Rogen has a point to some degree, but I think the Oscars w always were important for shining a spotlight on different kinds of movies. So it, is the mean difference of people caring 10, 20 years ago about the Oscars, is it that there was more movies that people had investment in? They were rooting for the, the movie that they saw that they, or that performance they saw to win and now there's almost no dog in the fight for them. Is that, that what you're contending? I mean, I think that's certainly a part of it. You know, I mean, like, what? why would you tune into something if you had no skin in the game? You know, like, I... I it's it's yeah. to me it's to me it's not that it's it's pretty simple like i think i mean well i guess it's different like you and i are pretty invested in the stuff given our career choice but you're talking like your average joe you know even my mom loves the oscars we used to do like an oscar pool every year but even now she hasn't seen a lot of these movies or doesn't you know i don't know it's it's uh, yeah that so what is that because <laughs> i just for, for a guy who is concerned about the theatrical experience i think it's really important we find a way to get these kinds of movies to make money and studios really are only even trying to make these kinds of movies right now because of awards and because of Oscars and stuff. If you stop, if you start completely losing the potential for these types of movies to make money and get awards, like the, if the Oscars become very unimportant, I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you, you said it very well here and I think I don't know. I don't know what you can do to get. Well, first of all, I don't. I don't know if people should care about the Oscars outside of the movie industry. Number one, I, I think Seth does make a good point there. I think, especially now, you know, twenty, thirty years ago, there wasn't really a place to to have the discussion to spotlight on movies that people hadn't seen or give recognition. Like now, with the social media that we live, this world that we live in. I feel like part of the reason that people came to the Oscars and also part of the reason they came to the Oscars was to see the stars. The stars mean less these days. And also you can see the stars everywhere. You can see them on their like TikTok. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you can do to get people to care again, except for, you know, like you said, maybe it being more about the movies that people actually care about, but it doesn't seem like the Academy is interesting, interested in awarding those films anymore. It seems like uh, nowadays, if you, if you have mass appeal and big box office, it's, you might be considered for some, some technical awards, but it, it almost seems to hurt your game. than it, then it seems to help your game. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, I don't want to dwell on this too much, but like my one of the points I made was like if Avatar could get nominated for what nine or ten awards, I don't understand. And I and I'm not trying to be funny here. I don't understand how Avatar was, you know, I understand that it was visually groundbreaking, but from a story point and from an entertainment standpoint, it's no different to me than Spider-Man No Way Home. Like, I don't I don't see why that, you know, I don't know. So I get a little frustrated at things like that, but. But at the same token, like even just going back a couple of years, you know, Parasite was able to make like two hundred and fifty million dollars worldwide. You know that that's a big deal. Now I don't know that that's even possible. So, yeah, it's eh, you know. Yeah, 
Nowadays, that would be a Netflix movie. Sadly. Yeah. Um, okay, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about Movie Pass. This is uh, a service that was around a few years back. We talked about it a lot on this podcast, and honestly, I feel like everybody loves to bash Movie Pass. Everybody likes some. It, it's like the the whipping boy of film Twitter. But Movie Pass was revolutionary. Uh, the only difference between Movie Pass and Uber, in my opinion, is Uber was able to stick around to actually make money. And MoviePass wasn't able to find that find that uh, the way to make money before they died. But um, but they're coming back, Ryan. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah. So MoviePass coming back from the dead. Um, look, uh, we all remember that one glorious summer of cheap movie going for ten bucks a month or whatever it was in your area. But uh, you know that flamed out because it was completely unsustainable. But now CEO uh, Stacy Spikes uh, unveiled at an Apple event that they're coming back. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be a little bit different. There's there not a lot of details right now. We don't know specific pricing. We don't know specific markets. We don't know a lot. Uh, but the new program will work on a credit system that will allow users to use credits to purchase movie tickets for both themselves and a guest. One of the problems with MoviePass originally is that you could only buy a ticket for yourself most of the time, so... You know, it made it hard to go with other people. Uh, the credits are going to roll over month to month, so if you don't use them, you can still, you know, you can still keep them. So that's cool. Uh, one of the quotes from Spikes was, people didn't see MoviePass as a discount, they saw it as a discovery tool, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's funny. So. It, that seems like the inventor of the thing, the person who brought, like, doesn't even understand why people want, like, the thing. Yeah, I guess so. Um yeah, one of the things that sort of caught people off guard with this was that uh, Spikes introduced an interactive uh, initiative for users where you can watch ads to earn free credits toward movie tickets. Your phone camera will track your eyeballs to make sure you watch uh, the whole ad. Uh, and if you look away, it'll pause. Um, in Spikes' words, it was, what it does is basically create a transaction between you and the brand. Uh, I think that's a little creepy, but... Kind of see what they're trying to do. Uh, I think the main thing is that MoviePass needs to find a way to be financially sustainable. And if you have some ad money coming in, maybe that's a way to do it. Um, but yeah, it's coming back. So this could be interesting. I I, I have thoughts on the matter. Uh, what about you, Peter? I'm curious where you're at on this. Well, it's, it's weird that people are acting like this whole ad model is something new that MoviePass is introducing and it's like creepy and stuff. But like, I've seen this for years and it's in a lot of games, like the pay per play games on like your mobile phones. I know I used to use it. I used to do Star Wars Card Trader, which was a trading card app from Tops, where you could buy, you get a, a free amount of money or credits every day to buy packs of digital cards and you can open them but if you wanted more packs you had to pay money or you could watch ads and get credits to buy more packs um now it wasn't tracking my eyes but i i, I know that this sort of thing is all the time and like other you know of those kind of like uh what do they call them ryan do you do, are you in the game universe like uh what are those games called that like basically they're just trying to get you to they're free to play but they're getting you to spend. They're trying to get you to spend money. Uh, I think the the common accepted terminology is like a freemium game. Freemium, yeah. Where like it's free, but then like there's you know there's it's you basically what you're looking at is like 
you know, microtransactions that drive the 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 financial windfall for the game. Yeah. I don't know. I, the the interesting thing here is I I mean, I laughed at Stacy Spikes when they said that uh, people didn't see MoviePass as a discount. They saw it as a discovery tool. And it, as much as that is ridiculous, I think as a whole, that's not true. I and a lot of people on like in the film Twitter bubble, I think used MoviePass and ended up going to the movie theater to see movies we would have never otherwise seen. It's, it's what I'm doing now with my AMC A-list. There's like a ton of movies I go to see that I would never otherwise see just because I can go. You know, I have the access to go. So so in that way, maybe it is a discovery tool, but I don't know. It, it does seem like a, a weird phrase there. I, I'm just not sure, like, now that all these movie theaters have their own programs that probably are going to be better than this program, can MoviePass make a comeback? What do you think, Ryan? Uh, I, I think it can, actually, if the business model's good enough, because I think the thing that MoviePass offers is a little bit of flexibility for theaters. Yeah. Um, like, you know, the one I missed, the dra- the Alamo Drafthouse out here had one that was amazing uh, before COVID happened. I'm hoping they bring it back. But I, I think one of the, I'm about to, I'm going to write something for us about this. But just to touch on my theory here is that I actually think the the movie pass could kind of be what the box office needs right now, because I think the problem is it's so easy for people to say, I'm just going to stay home. If you take a barrier to entry away. And MoviePass is cost effective, but not like to the point where it ruins the company and can make it easier for you and like a friend to go see a movie as a casual thing. I think that's a I think that's a good thing. And I think that could that could help theaters out a lot right now. Um, I, I have a lot of, you know, criticisms about the way MoviePass handled that flame out. You know, and it was ugly and it was bad and it was public and it was gross, you know, and that is not far enough in the rearview mirror for a lot of people to forget. (laughs) So, you know, if they can sort of move past that in a classy way, I think this could be good. But we got to see how this all unfolds. How long until we see the movie pass movie like, you know, the uh, like the social network or because it, it, it really did go up in flames at the end, especially with them trying to get into the movie business and then, uh, them uh supposedly uh there was high usage customers and then all of a sudden their pass wasn't working it said their credit card was declined there was like all these like weird things that were happening that seemed very scummy of this company yeah. uh, at, at the time and it seems like it, it's inevitable especially in industry like hollywood to you know we love talking about ourselves so <laughs> when are we going to see the movie version uh, I think if it flames out again, it'll get greenlit like the next day. But but you know we'll see. Uh, look, I'm I'm trying to be optimistic about this because I'm I'm very protective of the theatrical experience and anything that can help that I'm all in favor of. And I do think a a more sensible version of Movie Pass is a really good way to maybe get people you know back out. And and I'm all for that. I really am, especially because I do think it does help movies that. That like obviously you're gonna shell out of pocket to go see Spider Man. You yeah. might not shell out of pocket to go see Liam Neeson's Blacklight this weekend, unless you're me. But but like but you know <laughs> but you know you might if you got Movie Pass, and I think that helps. You know so. But we'll I, I have a, I have AMC A list, Ryan. So it's like, what can Movie Pass offer me? I mean, aside from going to other theaters, I understand that. But like, that's other the main than thing that, I think is flexibility. So you might yeah. be willing to cancel your Stubbs A-list if MoviePass offers you more flexibility. 
We'll see. We'll see. Um, okay, let's talk about the trailer that came out this week. Uh, Jurassic World Dominion, the trailer, hit the web, and it's so funny. I, I, I've been a fan of the series. I, I like the first one more than the second one, um, but I've really enjoyed it. But it's fun to see so many people on my Twitter feed that are normally hating on this franchise, hating on these type of movies. It seems like everybody is now in to see this movie after seeing this trailer. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing they're going to be disappointed. But uh, after seeing the trailer, I'm psyched as well. W- what did you think of Jurassic World Dominion? Oh, man, how much time do we got? Uh, <laughs> I was so <laughs> happy. Uh, I was, this is my, Jurassic Park is my favorite movie of all time. I absolutely love the first Jurassic World, but I absolutely hated Fallen Kingdom. But that man, oh man, was this a good trailer? Uh, Jesus, I, I I have so many thoughts. But like seeing the old gang back together, you know, like uh, the practical stuff mixed with like what I thought was pretty convincingly good CGI. Uh, some fascinating shots in there of like the way that dinosaurs are mixing in with real people. Like I kind of thought that shot with the herd sort of mixing in with the horses was weirdly gorgeous. Um, I don't know. I think it looks great. I think it looks like just kind of peak popcorn entertainment and i i think it looks awesome i'm i'm this trailer is a masterwork i'm betting you that this trailer is gonna be better than the movie i am so psyched to go into the movie i'm uh seeing the gang back together for the first time and how, how does sam look better than he did the last time we saw him in a jurassic park movie i don't understand it how did he not age um it I love all the dinosaurs. I love that we're seeing uh, some feathered dinosaurs here. I love that we see Dilophosaurus again. We're seeing practical dinosaurs. And I love that it just looks so crazy. It looks insane with dinosaurs out in the wild all over the world. I I think I've said this on a past podcast, to you, probably even to you, Ryan, but I, I don't understand how you end this thing. It, like This is building us up as like the epic conclusion to this trilogy. But I don't understand how you put the monster back in the box now that it's been opened. And I know we've talked about this and like maybe that's the <laughs> what they're dealing with here. But uh, yeah, uh, you, you also did an Easter egg uh, or not an Easter egg, like a trailer breakdown for us on the site. I'll link that in the show notes. But is there anything interesting you noticed when you were going frame by frame through it? Uh, yeah, there were some kind of fun callbacks. Like there's, you know, Ellie taking off her glasses just like she did in like the first movie. Um, but I think really more than anything, like going through the trailer frame by frame, you just realize like the, the amount of like crazy shit and detail that is in this first trailer. And I also think one of the main things is like, there's very little story in the trailer. We still don't really know what the story is. And I think like one of the very interesting things that isn't touched on is that Campbell Scott is coming in to play Dodgson, who we saw in the original movie, who's the guy that gives Nidri the barbersaw can and the money. Um, and I, and he, in the books works for a rival company to InGen called Biosyn. So I think that we're going to have some, I think that might be where the feathered dinosaurs are coming from. Um, so yeah, I think we, we, we've still, we, it's interesting how, how, how that was seemingly such a packed trailer that kind of didn't tell us a lot. Yeah. It, it, it shows a lot of, sp- of s- spectacle. Um, I, I mean, we get the sense that, uh, Chris Pratt's character doesn't want to leave Blue. Um, I, I'm not sure what the overall story is here. Is I guess we we do see at one point there's like this 
structure that reminds me of like the apple complex it's like that that circular structure but like it has like vines grow or has like all greenery growing on yeah, it. yeah i have a theory that that's site b that they're going back to uh isla sorna mm. uh but that's i don't really have a ton to base that off of but if they're really building this as a big conclusion and isla nublar is wiped off the map it'd be kind of cool to go back to site b for for you know for for another for another trip um, do you have any other theories on uh, what is going to happen here? Um, uh, I think we're going to see like a lot of, I think we're going to see some characters pop up. We haven't seen for a while. Like, I think like Lex and Tim are going to show up for sure. Uh, I think I don't want to get too maybe speculation, <laughs> but I think we'll probably see the Spinosaurus again. Like, I ah. think we'll probably, again, I think we might go to site B and I think that's where we'll see some interesting stuff like that. Um, I think at least one major character is going to die and I'm not really sure who my money's on yet, but. Oh, who's going to die? I don't know. Yeah. My guess right. is either Alan or, uh, or, or Owen would be, would be my, my guesses, but. I feel like if you want it to be really emotional, you have to go with one of the original trio right and and the other one is like in the original book uh malcolm dies in pretty brutal fashion um it'd be interesting if they kind of circle back to that like and but i but i think that would be yeah boy who people yeah, that would be tough to take so i don't know we'll see but i think i think that's one of the things i got my money on is we'll we'll we'll, we'll see we'll see we'll see someone die that you might not expect to die i i think you're right there i'm gonna put the this link in the show notes but they uh these co-screenwriter of this movie emily carmichael um she worked with cohen on writing the script for this one she did a she had her husband record a video reaction of her seeing this trailer for the first time and it was so just so delightful yeah so delightful it's just like uh, a, as a creator seeing like yeah. something that you rewards for like i yeah. don't know it was just amazing so yeah i watched that video last night like i watched the trailer like 10 times yesterday but then i watched that and like i have whatever amount of cynicism you want about modern blockbuster filmmaking seeing and there's a moment where she goes oh my god i understand the movie now and she like <laughs> and you see her like you know you sort of you i mean you know i don't know if you if you can be cynical watching her like react to this trip i i just we're not the same kind of person i thought that was so sweet and wonderful yeah okay you can find more of all the stories we talked about today on slashfilm.com you can find this podcast in apple google overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps please feel free to send us your feedback questions comments concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com and please rate and read this podcast in apple Podcasts. tell your friends spread the word and we'll see you on monday